Hey, spectacular vernacular listeners, Kristen Mines are here, host of The Relentless. Since you're interested in language and communication, we thought you'd enjoy this episode of The Relentless that's all about how we can translate in-person communication skills to the digital world, especially in business. It features communications expert Erica Dewan, who shares tips on how to up our game when Zooming, emailing, and texting. If you like what you hear, subscribe to The Relentless wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you enjoy. This paid podcast is a partnership between Slate Studios and Century 21 Real Estate. All uses of trademarks or brands are not meant to convey sponsorship or affiliation of this podcast. From Century 21, this is The Relentless, a podcast about looking at sales differently. As entrepreneurs, we need to constantly evolve, refresh our approach, and these days, that means prioritizing the customer. Because sales is about so much more than transactions. It's about elevating experiences. I'm Kristen Meinzer. I'm an author, entrepreneur, and podcast host. And no matter what job I've had, I've always used my voice to help people. I learned early on that treating people like they matter isn't just the right thing to do. It also makes for good business and great relationships. And that's what this season is all about. We're talking to the visionaries reinventing hospitality and the pioneers who figured out how to create celebrations that don't feel like work. Because The Relentless is about more than the close. It's about opening our minds to new possibilities and crushing mediocrity every step of the way. It's time to dream big, embrace change, and stay relentless. Hi there, and welcome to The Relentless. When dealing with customers, it might seem obvious that one of the most important skills you need is good communication. But the spoken language we use is often only a part of how communication happens. From body language to how we listen, good communication is not only key to creating great customer experiences, but also to lasting relationships built on trust. And these days, a lot of that communication is happening online. From emails to texts, so much business happens without actually being able to read physical cues. With these continued changes, sometimes those who are successful at in-person interactions might not realize they're falling short when it comes to digital communication. My guests today have all dealt with the dynamics of communication both on and offline in their business endeavors. Later in the show, I'll talk with two entrepreneurs who've developed their own communication styles. But first, I'm going to introduce you to Erica Dewan. My name is Erica Dewan, and I'm the author of Digital Body Language. Erica has turned the core observational skills she learned as a child into the tools she now teaches entrepreneurs and executives to better connect with others. My parents were Indian immigrants, which meant at home we spoke Hindi. So when I got to school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I really struggled to find my voice. In every report card from kindergarten through 12th grade, every teacher often said, Erica's very studious, but I wish she spoke up more in class. And one of the things she developed was an ability to truly observe and decipher other people's body language. I would watch the popular girls with their heads high, the cool kids slouching during school assemblies. And it really helped me learn that it's not just what we say, it's how we say it. Today, she's a communication virtuoso and thought leader, helping CEOs and entrepreneurs connect authentically with colleagues and clients. Erica Dewan, 
Welcome to The Relentless. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Erica, you're a total expert, not just on body language, but also on communication and trust building. As you were growing up, you learned a lot about communicating, not only from the people around you, but also from movies. Can you share a little bit about that? At home as a child, I would watch Bollywood Indian movies and not knowing the exact storyline because I couldn't understand everything in Hindi, I would study the actors and actresses' body language and be able to read an entire story script through their body cues. And in many ways, I think growing up navigating different cultures and languages, I developed a passion for the importance of body language and communication. And by mastering it myself, I was able to not only take on ridiculously competitive job opportunities, really find my voice as an adult, but also learn that in today's world, we actually have to update some of the rules of the body of our language in now a digital and hybrid world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the workplace is changing all the time. Generations change all the time. Social norms change all the time. But I want to go back to the Bollywood dancing really briefly. I'm a big fan of Bollywood. Uh, I just want to take a moment to compare the two, how verbal versus nonverbal communication works in like Bollywood, but how that may also be seen a little bit in the workplace and other places. I remember going up and watching Bollywood movies that are really like Hollywood movies, but they use a lot of traditional Indian dance and music and very accentuated body language cues to signal uh, love or romance or disinterest uh, from others. What I have found is that as we are building connections across the workplace, we have to remember that what was implicit before in our traditional body language now must actually be much more explicit as we're navigating digital and hybrid teams. And in many ways, the power of performance uh, has a very important effect because technology creates masks. And the more mm. that we realize that uh, being explicit, using our own performance tools to show enthusiasm and engagement, to not assume that when we write an okay period, that someone will know that we're actually excited with that okay <laughs> period, like they could see it in traditional body language and bring that accentuation or that emphasis back even in our digital or hybrid world. Yes, yes. Um, and I also, I, I think what you're saying about what is performance and performance is, you know, it's not just on the screen. It's also how we talk to each other. So, um, but let's talk a little bit more about some of the, you know, mistakes or fails uh, beyond that okay that could have been read many different ways. Let's talk about some other things that maybe mistakes you've made or mistakes that you've witnessed before. In the last 10 years or so, We've really been shifting most, most of our communications, not just in person anymore, but online, on screens and emails and meetings and text conversations. And there was no rule book out there for the body of our language in a digital world. But on the flip side, I've also had and, and shared my own mistakes. Uh, I've had an intern I worked with who six weeks into a virtual internship with me said, you know, I want to quit. I don't feel valued. And one of the things I realized is that I, in a digital world, forgot to show gratitude and that he was doing a great job. In the office, you know, if he saw me, gave me a deliverable, he would see the exhale, the relief in my face, the smile. Today, I would send, you know, brief K period emails or maybe not even respond to an email. Oh, and no. he didn't always feel so valued visibly. And, and so I've learned on my own and with others that 
in, in today's world, we have to rewrite and build a new set of skills of how we show value, gratitude, and appreciation in our digital and hybrid world. Mm. Now, I'm curious here about there are certain fields like entrepreneurs, real estate agents, they already are very, very respected for their in-person communication skills. How can they leverage those in-person skills that are so celebrated, that warmth, that hospitality? How can they replicate that in the digital world? Well, we all know, first and foremost, that it's harder. We knew the power of the smile in person, the lean in in a sales conversation, the laugh. So let me give you a little rule book for how we take some of the traditional signals of body language, of trust, engagement, or excitement, and adapt them to digital body language. Let's start with trust. Now, when we are signaling others that we trust them or we read that they are trusting us, we may see traditional body language signals like someone keeping their palms open, uncrossing their arms or legs or smiling and nodding. Mm -hmm. In a digital world, that could mean simple things like using language that is direct, sending emails with clear subject lines, uh, maybe having that email with a friendly gesture of, you know, hope this helps text me if you need anything else to break down those barriers or mm. even mirroring the sender's use of emojis or informal punctuation. Uh, yes, I have been there. Sometimes punctuation really can make a huge difference in creating a sense of trust. These are such great examples, Erica. Can you give us some more? The second example is engagement. Now, traditional engagement often looked like making direct eye contact in a face-to-face -face meeting. In a digital world, that could be simple things like prioritizing timely responses, responding quickly. I'll, I'll give you a third one, which I think is important, which is excitement. Uh, when we want to show our eagerness and our interest with others in, in physical body language, that often looks like speaking quickly or uh, tapping our fingers or raising our eyebrows. In a digital world, that could be using multiple exclamation points or capitalization to show excitement. Uh, it could also be sending multiple messages uh, to show engagement, maybe a text, but also an email looking forward to this. Uh, and also not shying away from the power of emojis. I like to say, think before you emoji with these tools, but to not shy away from them because in today's world, they're much more of the norm, not the exception to show that emotional nuance. Mm. Now, Erica, you've given us so much uh, great information about the wisdom that you share with your clients. But if we turn the tables, I'm curious, what do you like when you're being communicated with as a customer? The first quick thing that I really value as a customer is speed, is um, working with service or, or product partners that respond to me quickly and give me exactly what I need. We've all been there where we'll send a question to customer service and we don't hear from them for weeks and then we have to respond follow up and and we feel like we we don't want to engage with them moving forward it, it can be very frustrating and so the first quick tip for me because I'm a digital native is speed matters just as much as um, substance and in, in messages the second key thing that I really value as a customer is making sure that especially if it's a service that there is a set cadence where my service or or product partner provider has a, a way to check in with me to make sure that I'm really valuing the service and that everything's going well. That could be a quick email they send once a month to me to check in, just want to make sure you're 
um, everything's going well or if you need anything else. Uh, I've seen many um, individuals use that with me to upsell new services, but it's it's not just a one-time thing. It's the consistency and knowing how I like that, whether I'm a digital adapter and prefer a quick phone call or for me, a digital native and really preferring that regular consistent email. And the last thing that I think is really important is to remember to have a good website. I'll be honest, um, you know, having a digital body language persona is everything now from how you write emails to what's on your website to making sure that you're answering those common FAQs for someone so they don't have to wait in a line for 10 minutes to call you about something. And so simply, Mm. you know, taking the time to remember to share information with your customers across all the spectrums and make sure you're reaching not only existing customers, but new customers, especially those that want virtual first or virtual only relationships. Mm. When we get off this call, I am going to create an FAQ section on my webpage. <laughs> that's going to ch- that's going to change how often people email me about things that I think are obvious. And, and, and um, save your time as well. Yes, yes. Well, just one last question. What do you see happening in the future as far as communication techniques and how they'll evolve? I think that the last year has shown us more disruption, yet more innovation in how we work and communicate. I think that this is a moment that we can all reset our norms, um, bring some sanity and clarity back to our communications. I think a lot of the reaction to the pandemic was that we have to just be 24-7 on all communication platforms, and it's created a lot of screen fatigue and overwhelm. And I think the answer is not to connect more. It's to connect intelligently. Most importantly, I, I truly believe that this is a moment that we must all build our skills in digital body language, just like we've mastered tra- traditional body language. This is the moment to transform how we work. We have to remember that what comes before that face-to-face meeting, those smart digital communications, those quick touch points after those face-to-face meetings are what will create that long-lasting trust and confidence in how we grow our businesses moving forward. Oh, Erica, this has been such an inspirational conversation. It really has filled my heart with the belief that I can communicate with people better, that people can communicate with me better, and that we can build that foundation of trust that you're talking about. So, Erica, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on The Relentless. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. As Erica showed us, there is plenty to consider when it comes to communicating effectively, especially in terms of our interactions with colleagues and customers. My next guests are committed to changing communication in the real estate industry. Michael and Matt Atwood are co-owners of Century 21 Atwood. They host their own podcast called The Realty Brothers, and yes, they really are brothers. Based in Minnesota, their family business has been around since the late 1800s. Michael and Matt, welcome. Hey, hello. Hi. Now, your family business started in the 1860s. Can you share a little of that story and what led the two of you into the positions you are in today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, we actually have been saying, you know, founded in 1934. We've been saying that for decades. And it wasn't until during the pandemic that our aunt uh, did some digging and uh, and found out that actually it went back two more generations um, when our great, great, great grandfather 
Edwin started a real estate and mortgage loan company um, in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And then his son took over. And then his son moved to Mankato and just opened up a new one. Um, so really, we've been operating fairly continuously uh, for six generations since 1867. And you know, I always say when you're when you're in Atwood, you you get your birth certificate and your your real estate license on the same day. <laughs> so um, you know, we we were kind of born into it. Both Michael and I did different things in college and a little bit of career, but we we just felt the pull right back into it. And Michael, from generation to generation, is there a default communication style that your family's known for? You know, I think that we we just try to talk to people like they're people. Um, and there's a lot of really, really great, you know, business leaders out there who have good methods and systems on being concise and being direct and being professional all of the time. And, and not to say that that's bad or whatever works for any individual is fine. But I think we've found, um, since we started with such a, a tight group and a family-oriented group as we grew. It was kind of like speaking to whoever you're speaking with as though they're your family, as though they're, you know, your brother or your godparent. And a lot of times they are your brother or your godparent or <laughs> we're at your baptism or or anything like that. I think that's really helped shape the way that we communicate with each other because there's that underlying element of respect and love and familial status that we can all kind of feel like, you know what, even though we might not get along sometimes, we're basically blood now, Matt, you two are brothers, and that dynamic you had growing up, is that the way you are in business at this point? Um, kind of. I mean, Michael and I are the furthest apart. I'm the oldest, he's the youngest. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like direct competition. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, you know, the one thing everybody always tells us that watched us grow up was, you boys, there's four of us, you boys could fight so hard. And then the next second, you're all hugging each other and <laughs> cuddling up on the couch. And and I think, you know, it kind of comes back to respect. Uh, Michael and I really uh, have a deep respect for each other, um, both personally and professionally. Um, but we also will kind of take sides, even if even if we don't believe the opposite side, we're just like debating each other just so that we can find the right thing. And then I'll go, I mean, I don't know what else to say, Michael. I think we should do it. And he'll go, yeah, I think we should too. I just wanted to argue it out for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good. It's the practice. Yeah. It's the practice round before, you know, actually making the decision or presenting it to other leadership staff or to the agents is to be like, well, you know, Matt comes up with a great idea and, and I'm never just going to say, yes, that's a great idea. I'm going to say, well, what about, or have you considered or any, any other roadblocks, right? We love to play <laughs> devil's advocate in, in these arguments for each other because it forces us to really I don't know, think about the big picture and all of the different avenues these things could go down. Oh, yeah. And nobody can do that with you like a sibling, right? A sibling definitely <laughs> knows really. how to push back in a way that nobody else in the world knows how to push back on. <laughs> and Matthew, are there any lessons that you carry from your family that influence how you work today? Anything specifically when you think about, you know what, this is the Atwood way. The biggest thing that I think stuck with Michael and I was... Um, our, our, our dad was a man of not many words, but they were always really great words. Um, mm. and, uh, and one time he, he told us, when you're the head of your family, when you're, when you're the head of your house, you're responsible for that family. When you're the head of a company, 
you're responsible for everyone's family. Mm. And, and to his point, he wasn't saying you're responsible for your employees. You're responsible for your realtors. You're responsible for contractors, whatever, but that you're actually responsible for their families because they all rely on this. It's a huge responsibility and also a huge honor, you know, both of those things. Going back to that family-oriented, you know, office culture and everything like that, it's it's been good for us to say, like, you know, we know our employees, spouses, significant others, children, they bring them into the office all the time. And they, I don't know, especially when the pandemic came and all these people are, you know, having fear and are, are there going to be layoffs? How, how are we going to do this? There's not enough work. We can't welcome people into the office, but my job is literally to be at the front desk and welcome people. <laughs> what does that look like for me and my family? Um, and I, it was just a really good opportunity like, like to challenge us in that uh, belief that we have and say, well, you know, Michael and Matthew, if you really believe that, here's, put your, you know, put your money where your mouth is. And, and so we, we had the whole pandemic situation and still, held to that kind of vow to say, well, we're not going to let people go. We owe, you know, that same respect and loyalty to our employees and their families that they continue to show to us every day that they show up. So um, I don't know. I think that was just a really unique opportunity where we could say, gosh, even if there is no one here for you to welcome, the Echo Food Shelf really needs help packing, you know, canned goods or or the backpack food program or, or anything like that. Um, it was really cool to see these people have that appreciation in their hearts that they could keep their job, but then also turn around and give back to the community in a way that we say, that's just, you know, your job today is is community service. It's so thoughtful, these adjustments you two have made with your team members over the last year. And you're also doing that with your customers. Now, how are you relating with your customers mostly being online when agents are mostly used to working face-to-face? Yeah, um... A lot of it, I think, comes down to how we could leverage technology better, right? Um, emails can be very impersonal. Uh, text messages kind of even worse sometimes, right? Um, but fortunately, through our own investments and then also through the Century 21 system, you know, there was all of these opportunities available to us for video or virtual showings or virtual open houses or um, how can we get you know, the real person behind the message again as opposed to just being content, content, words on paper. Now, you're very good, it's obvious, about taking care of your customers and your team, but I'm curious, when you're the customer, what do you look for when it comes to communication? You know, I was just, I'm going through a a home remodel right now, and I was just at (laughs) uh, some flooring depot, something or other, Um, and the person that was kind of assigned to helping me once I walked in the door was not the most helpful. And um, the whole time I kept on, you know, I don't know, I would pull something off and she'd be like, well, that's, you know, that's not really in stock. And and I felt like I was like dry, driving the conversation to say, well, do you have anything similar that is in stock? Or like, what does this look like in a different color palette or anything, right? And I couldn't help but notice that there was another couple there doing their shopping too. And and the person helping them was so excited for them. Like, oh, I love that choice. That's a really good one. You know what pairs well with that? Or have you considered something that has a little bit more of this undertone? Or like just not necessarily driving the entire experience, but 
participating in it, right? And also letting them know because there's usually one party who does this all day, every day, and one party who hardly ever does this, right? Uh, and the same thing goes for the real estate industry. We have all these agents who do this all day, every day, and then we have buyers and sellers who obviously don't. And and when I am the consumer, I want to be able to look to whoever the professional is and just have them be excited for me and have them participate with me so that I'm not looking around going, uh, well, don't put it all on my shoulders. Like, is this, is this right? Am I along the right lines? Is this the right next step? How does this work? Um, just someone who's going to be involved and, and share in that excitement with me, I think goes a long way. I love that bit of advice. I, I think it comes in handy in so many places, including on your podcast. One thing I always say about podcasts is excited people are exciting people. And people want to be excited about who they're listening to. And if the people aren't excited, no fun. Likewise with a customer experience. If you're dealing with somebody who is just treating you like drudgery, you're going to feel that as the customer. And you clearly know that from, from that story you told there. Now, I love your podcast. Can you two describe what it's about and things you discuss on the show and the topics you explore? You know, it's called the Realty Brothers, and that's what people have just started calling us is the Realty Brothers. But um, it's not just all real estate all the time and just here's the facts and here's the stats and goodbye. It, It was about building that genuine communication that we talk so much about. Also showing that real estate is not all about people who just are trying to get the next sale, but people who have the same genuine likes and loves and everything that you have, we just happen to do this job too. But then we also share, you know, good, good, relevant real estate tips. Yeah. I think it was about uh, making kind of the real estate industry, the real estate world as a whole, uh, more approachable. Um we have tried to maintain that element of if, if you are like a seasoned real estate professional, we need to have some stuff, substance there for those people, right? So they're showing up and they're not asking us to define what an agency relationship is by any means. But how do we kind of cultivate this content that can cater to the people who do this every day so that they have some something out there to listen to that is their language while also letting the general public in on that conversation and not using, you know, really quick uh, industry-specific jargon or, you know, all that we have an acronym for almost everything in this industry and it can be so confusing for the public. Um, We had a video series first and that I think helped us identify which types of content people gravitated toward. Um, so, you know, we could give market stats till we're blue in the face. And unfortunately, the <laughs> the likes, comments, and shares on, the, on those ones, it just wasn't as valuable. It's these obscure numbers, a- unless we can take some of that information and pair it with real-life scenarios in the markets that they're seeing um, to make it actually make sense to people. Now, I want to ask you about trust. Obviously, you Atwoods are very trustworthy. Your community trusts you. You wouldn't be around for 155 years if people didn't trust you. But I'm curious, what does trust mean to you? How would you encourage entrepreneurs to go about building trust in their relationships the way you have? It's just, it's being genuine and respectful. You know, if if uh, somebody tells you something and you go, okay, great, and you kind of, I'm busy. Everyone, I hate that word, busy, right? I'm busy, I'm busy, uh, you know, but if you show genuine care um, in people, they're they're naturally going to fall in trust with you. You know, someone comes to you with a problem, a client or an agent or anything mm. like that, and a lot of times it's, 
you know what, I'm really busy. It's a lot easier to say to someone's face, I'm busy, than it is to say, you're not a priority to me right now. Um, and, and that kind of helps understand the subliminal messaging that you may be sending to those clients, those agents, those customers, what have you, um, just by not making the time where it's needed. There really is a subtlety in the word busy, and being aware of that is a great way to look at communication, not only as an entrepreneur, but just as a human being. So we have one question we ask all of our guests on the show, and we want to conclude by asking that of the two of you. How do you define relentless? You know, there are some people who are really good at solving problems. And then there are relentless people who work really hard to prevent problems, who can solve them before they even happen. And that, I think, is what sets apart um, the relentlessness of, of people. The relentless people is, um, is those who will anticipate people's needs, who will um, have an understanding of people and of the situation and work ahead of it instead of reacting to it. Right. Something Matt and I discuss a lot is um, when we're dealing with our employees, uh, a rare trait, and it's definitely a key trait of being relentless, is caring about that outcome, caring about the follow-up, caring about the impact, right? And we always say, as an employer, you can pay people to work, but you can't pay people to care. That caring or relentlessness that they have deep down is not something that is, it, it, oh, that just comes at the next level of payroll. You know, it, it is deep down within people when they have a passion that they want to go the extra mile. They want to, as he was saying, foresee the issues, solve the issues, make sure that the actual whole greater picture is taken care of and not just the task laid before them. Well, Matthew and Michael, this has been just fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Relentless. Our pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been fun. The Relentless is produced by Slate Studios in partnership with Century 21 Real Estate. You can find out more about the guests you heard in today's show and discover more great material from our Century 21 partners at slate.com slash c21relentless. That's slate.com slash c21relentless. I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening and please join us next time. All rights reserved. Nothing herein is intended to create an employment relationship. Century 21 Real Estate LLC fully supports the principles of the Fair Housing Act and the Equal Opportunity Act. Each office is independently owned and operated. This material may contain suggestions and best practices that you may use at your discretion.